Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 through 38, continuing our Advent series. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. Hear now the words of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's word. Amen? Amen. In 2007, I moved to Memphis, Tennessee. Had a little Chevy sedan, and I went to U-Haul. I got a, a little hitch installed on the back of my car so that I can move all of my stuff to Memphis. I got this enclosed trailer. I packed all of my things inside that trailer. And I drove four and a half hours away from Memphis, and I just didn't have a clue, y'all. I'll just be honest. I didn't have a clue what I was getting myself into. So I moved here to serve with Icon Ministries in the Binghamton neighborhood, um, and I didn't know exactly where I would live. I didn't know exactly where I would work. I just knew I wanted to serve and get my hands around some ministry stuff. So I moved here, and my hope was that I would just get a job at Starbucks or McDonald's while I was learning ministry and to just just learn and to soak up all that I can soak up from the leaders of that ministry. Well, unbeknownst to me, the leaders of that ministry, they invited me to come on staff part-time, which you know what that means in uh, parachurch ministry. That means paid part-time and you work full-time. Um, so they invited me on staff, and but I still had to make the ends meet. I had to pay the bills. So I need to find a way to pay the bills. So I went to work at the hub, the Memphis hub. Uh, They've got tons of airplanes flying out of Memphis all day, all night. And so I worked there for almost a year. Do we have any Memphis FedEx hubbers in the house? Y'all know? Yes, yes. Testify with me how hard it is. Um, So at night, I am literally pushing boxes on and off of planes. And during the day, I'm working with kids. I am I'm coaching a basketball team. I'm in the neighborhood, incarnational ministry, all of that stuff. And, and it just kind of wore me out. It, it was crazy. And I just remember I got to this place where I would complain a great deal while I was working at FedEx through the night. And it's crazy because my job had me in the elements the entire shift. 
So if it were cold outside, I experience every bit of the bone-chilling cold. If it were blistering hot, I experience every bit of that because there was nowhere, there was nowhere to go with my job. So I remember one particular time it snowed. I mean, 2007, 2000, maybe early 2008. Um, it snowed really bad. And I've literally got snow up to the middle of my shins. I mean, it was crazy. I've got trash bags wrapped around my legs and around my waist trying to stay dry. This one particular time... It rained the entire shift, and I had had enough. I mean, I've got trash bags wrapped around every inch of my body. I've got trash bags over my shoulders, and I cut little armholes in. And so I'm, I'm working my shift covered in garbage bags the entire time. And I remember at the end of the shift, there's literally hundreds of people piling out of the FedEx hub because it employs hundreds of people every day. So we're walking out after our shift and I'm soaking wet. Everybody is that worked on my team. I'm covered in trash bags. I'm cold. And I'm just complaining. And I turned to this guy who I didn't even know and never seen again, never seen before. I said, man, can you believe that we're going through this mess? I I can't believe that we have to go through this. Can you believe that? And he looked at me and he said, I'm fine. He did. He said, you know what? I'm fine. This is my only job. I need this job. And my heart just sank. It was a dose of medicine that I really needed. It humbled me. Because here I am coming right out of college. And you know what it really was? I thought I was better than this job. And I shouldn't be working here. But God used this unassuming, unexpected person to speak a word to me. And it wrecked me in that moment. Here I am complaining after I prayed to God that He would provide for me. And He gave me a job that could pay for my bills to meet the needs that I had. And here I am complaining. And do you know God used this man to speak a word to me? And I think when we come to this text this morning, that's exactly what we're going to see. We come to this text and we will see God using unexpected people to get His message across. He uses Mary and He uses Joseph. And we'll see that He uses others. But God will use the unexpected. We'll see three primary ideas this morning. We'll see that God uses unexpected people that He might be glorified. We'll see that God uses unexpected people to remind them of who they serve. And lastly, we'll see that God uses unexpected people because He is able. Just because He can. I want to speak from the subject, God uses the unexpected. But before we go to work and dive in, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you um, for those little ones. Lord, you know the hairs numbered on their head. You, you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. Thank you for them. Lord, even though they, they, they can't sing, thank you for them, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear from you this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you do a number on our hearts? Would you pull us closer to your work and your mission through our time together this morning? 
Lord, I pray that you would allow me to decrease, to get low, that you may increase in this place. Lord, would you have your way? Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in a series entitled, Give My Life Away, for this Advent series. And this season of Advent simply points to the coming of Christ. It's a time in which we remember God graciously sending Jesus in the form of a man, that Jesus would take upon himself the penalty of our sin, creating this amazing bridge between us and the Father. So we remember all that Jesus did and all that He is and all that He came to do. That Jesus came, that He lived under the law, that He died a gruesome death, that He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and that He rose again uh, from the grave. We remember that and we remember that Jesus will come back again. That Jesus has not left us to our own devices, but he cares about us enough. He ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, but he will return. And we await for his return. That's what Advent is about. We remember during this season that Jesus has come, but he will come again. That he hasn't left us on our own. So we wait. Over the last several weeks, we've seen the beauty of Jesus' coming. We saw that Jesus actually left something. And Jesus came in the form of a man, leaving this perfect intimacy with the Father and with the Spirit. And Jesus left this perfect team. And He left this perfect team, y'all, for a messed up one in us. We also saw that Jesus initiated toward darkness and bringing this marvelous light along with him. And last week, Richard laid out this idea that Jesus came to make the poor rich. It is this idea of understanding that those that see their deep need for Jesus will acquire great wealth, and that wealth is him, not more stuff. One of the things I love about the Gospel of Luke is that Luke is extremely detailed. He, he was a doctor by trade. He, he is very detailed. And that's one of the reasons we get the infant narratives in Luke's Gospel. Directly before our passage, Dr. Luke gives us a detailed account of the foretelling of the coming of the birth of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is to, get this, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And the Bible says that he will be great, get this, in the sight of the Lord. But what we see in our passage is the foretelling of the coming of Christ. And what we see in essence is that Jesus is an even greater John the Baptist. That John the Baptist will be great in the sight of the Lord, but Jesus is even greater. One of the main ideas here is that God uses unexpected people that He might be glorified. Look at verses 26 through 27 with me. It says this, In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy uh, with John the Baptist, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. See, in antiquity... There were two parts of marriage. There were engagement and there, there was marriage. The way that a person was engaged is uh, a man's father would seek out uh, a woman's father to, to acquire this woman for, for their son. 
And this man would go to this woman's father and they would make a proposal and say, I'll give you this much money if you bring your daughter and give her for my son. And they would make an agreement and he would pay for this woman. But engagement was a serious thing, not as serious as it is today. Engagement was essentially being married. In order to break off an engagement, you actually had to have a divorce. If you slept with anybody else when you were engaged, it would be considered as adultery. That's how serious engagement was. That's what we're talking about. Betrothed. They were engaged. They were committed to one another. See, Mary is anywhere between, anywhere from 13 to 15 years old. And God decides to use her. Joseph is just an ordinary guy. And God decides to use him. Directly before our story, we see the foretelling of the coming of John the Baptist by Zechariah and Elizabeth. And John the Baptist is to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord. Do you see this? In John the Baptist's case, his mom Elizabeth and his dad Zechariah, they were extremely old. They were Elizabeth was barren, not expected to have a child, but yet God used them anyway. And one of the things we see from our passage is if God can use Elizabeth, if God can use Zechariah, if God can use a nobody like Joseph and Mary, God can use us as well. I love this because the goal was not to make much of Joseph or Mary. The goal was not to, to make Mary's name and fame grow. The, and there, there are whole churches that have gathered over elevating Mary because she gave birth to Jesus. That's not the goal here. The goal is to elevate the name and the fame of Jesus, not the fame of Mary. The goal in John the Baptist coming, the goal in God putting John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb is not to make much of Elizabeth or Zechariah, but it is to prepare the way for the coming Savior. And for you and I, we need to remember that when God uses us, His goal is not to elevate us, but His goal is to elevate Himself. His goal is to make much of His name, fame, and glory, and not to elevate us. It reminds me of Genesis 37 through 46. It's the story of Joseph. And Joseph was done pretty bad. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was, he was left for dead. He was lied on by Potiphar's wife. And yet God used Joseph anyway. It reminds me of the story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel, Jesse, and the elders, they're sitting there and they're in this house. And the elders are looking for the next uh, king of Israel. And they come to Jesse's house and he's bringing all of his sons. He brings seven of his sons. They're of great stature and they're good looking men. And the elders say to him, None of them are the ones that we are going to anoint to be king. He says, do you have any other sons? He says, I have one other son, but he's just the shepherd boy and he's the youngest and I know you don't want him. And they bring in David and he is the very one who would be anointed to be king. I want to tell you this morning that God will use the unexpected. He uses unassuming people and he does it 
for His own namesake and for His own glory. How about the story of a prostitute from 3rd Street called Rahab? Here she is. And God comes to her and tells her, encourages her to help His cause and His mission in Joshua chapter 2. See, God has a way of specializing in using unexpected characters for His own glory. How are you allowing God to use you today? Are you pushing away the plan of God? Are you pushing away, casting away the voice of God? God desires to use you this morning. Secondly, God uses unexpected people to remind us of who we serve. The angel Gabriel has turned Mary's world upside down. She's told that she will have a baby that will be be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And that this child will be great. She's told that this child's kingdom will never come to an end. Can you imagine how that would make Mary feel? The angel Gabriel comes to her and said, you're going to have this baby and this baby will be great and this baby will reign and rule and his kingdom will never end. Just imagine how that made her feel. Mary Mary doesn't quite understand all of this. She's wondering how this will happen. And Gabriel tells her that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. Gabriel tells uh, her of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And he tells her about Elizabeth getting pregnant and how she was barren and she's in her old age. And he knows that Mary knows Elizabeth. Listen to what Mary says in verse 38. It says this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Isn't that beautiful? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Do you see this? Mary Mary has some questions. She's wondering how all this will be accomplished. She's wondering how all that Gabriel has said will come to fruition. Yet at the end of the day, Mary lands at the place of trust. She says, God, I I don't quite understand where you are going with this, but I will trust you. I'll believe you, God. She yields her will to the will of God by saying, I am the servant of the Lord. The mark of the believer in Jesus Christ, get this, is a person who understands that they no longer belong to themselves. If you're genuinely walking with Jesus, you understand that your life's goal isn't to serve yourself. But it's to serve the living, the living God. A servant understands that their job is to work for the good of their master. I love 1 Corinthians 7, 17 and 23. It says this, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. And to which God has called him. It says, you were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. See, your goal is to not serve the things that are on this earth. But your life's mission and goal ought to be to serve the one true and the living God. This is what we see here. We see Mary not quite understanding all of the circumstances, not quite understanding all that God wants to do in her. And Mary says, I'll still trust you. 
I'll believe you. I'll, I'll submit my will to yours. Paul tells the church of Corinth, you belong to the Lord. Each area of your life and my life should be submitted under the lordship, the reign, and the rule of Jesus Christ. Mary understands that though um, what God is asking of her sounds crazy, that God is teaching her that all of her life is to serve the Lord. She understands that all of her life is to be governed by the Word of God. Are you living that way this morning? That all of life is governed and submitted to the will, the way, and the work of Christ. Um, Growing up, um, some people... Ask me sometimes if they knew where I grew up. I grew up in a tough neighborhood in St. Louis. Um, so much so that, I mean, I was just home uh, last weekend and drugs being sold in front of my mama's house. Hands being exchanged. Um, and it hasn't changed. That's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. And people ask me so often, like, how did you get out of that? How did you come out? out of that and obviously it it was by the grace of God but then I point to my mother I mean she 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 saved my brother and I she saved our lives um what do I mean by that so my brother and I my mama would always say be at home by the time the street lights are on you know that that was our curfew when the street lights came on you better be in this house And so there were times where we were disobedient, of course. We were on our bikes or running around in the neighborhood or creating some mess to get into. And you know what she would do? She would come looking for us. And I think this is what made the difference. She wouldn't just say, I will wait till they get home. But she came looking for us, rollers in her head and all. (laughs) Now, I don't know if y'all know about the rollers. Lord have mercy. Um... She would come looking for us. And if we had a car at the time, she's driving around the neighborhood. And if we didn't have a car, she is walking with her house coat on, rollers in her head. And she is coming to find us. And next thing you know, some of the guys around the neighborhood uh, that we were hanging out with are saying, "Uh, Chris and Junior, y'all mama coming. Y'all better. They knew that she would come looking for us. And I love it because she just, she just didn't leave us to our own devices. She came looking for us. She reminded us that we belong to her. And our will, as long as we lived in her house, would be submitted to hers. Do you see that? And what we see here is the same thing. Mary says, I don't quite understand all of this. I don't quite understand all that you are asking of me. But God, I will trust you and I'm going to submit my will to yours. And you know what it does? It, it causes us to have to get off the throne and allow God to sit on the throne. When we give our will to to Him, when we yield our will and our way and having control, we let God sit on the throne and we take ourselves off the throne. That's what Mary is doing. She could have easily bulked the system. And Gabriel, I don't understand what you're saying. This can't possibly be. How in the world? Joseph and I haven't known each other yet. We haven't been together. But she says, God, I don't understand. Gabriel, I don't understand. But I'm going to put my will down and lift up the will of the Lord. I, I want to submit myself, my life, my every breath 
to His Word and His way. What's your story? I think that's what God is beckoning us to this morning. That each and every one of us would submit our very lives to His will, to His way, to His plan for us. And our culture gives us something completely different. Our culture tells us that we are in control. We are the masters of our own destinies. Our culture tells us that we can make our own way. That we're in control. And what we see from Mary is a completely different story. God uses the unexpected people to teach us to give up our will, to submit our will to His. Because He knows better than we know. Lastly, God uses unexpected people because His power is unlimited. God uses unexpected people because His power is unlimited. See, Mary is questioning God's will and all that the angel angel Gabriel has told her. And Mary is questioning. I love the response of the angel Gabriel. He says this, Nothing will be impossible with God. Mary is asking, how? How is this possible? She's not quite doubting. She's just wondering, how will all this be accomplished? And the angel Gabriel gives her such a profound word, uh, such a profound message in just six words. Nothing will be impossible with God. That just speaks to the power, to the depth, to the bigness of God. Nothing will be impossible with God. It was Jeremiah, as he was praying for understanding in Jeremiah 32:17, who said, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if, if God can place and conceive a child, the baby Jesus, inside of a virgin Mary, if, if God can create the heavens and, and, and the waters, if, if God can create you and I and He can know the hairs numbered on our heads, if, if God knows us before we were formed in our mother's womb, how much more do you think He can use you, even though you, you may doubt it? How much more do you think He can send you to work for His cause and His mission? How much more do you think He can send you to the nations? How much more do you think He can send you to your own block? How much more do you think He can send you to your family and to those that don't know Jesus as you're sitting at the table during Christmas with them? How much more do you think He wants to use you? And I love this because what this story tells us is God is not a God of comfort. And so many of us, we are seeking comfort and we're all about our own personal comfort. Do you think it's comfortable for Mary to be pregnant and people thinking she's been sleeping around? God is not out for our personal comfort. He wants to use us. He wants to send us into 
this city. He wants to send us into our workplaces. He wants to send us into the schools that we are a part of. He wants to send us into those parachurch ministries and for us to have a genuine heart for Him. God wants to use us. And I want to tell you downtown that God's best method of getting things done is not the government, it is His church. And that's one of the things that we see through Mary's story. That God wants to use His people. That His plan and His purpose, His message may come across. That's what we see through Zechariah's story, along with Elizabeth. In bringing forth John the Baptist, even though they were barren. God wants to use His people. And that's even true of our stories. If you look back in the rearview mirror of your life, you will see that God longs to use you for His purpose and for His plan, even though you may not expect Him to want to do so. God longs to use us. And He has the power to do it. I love the Great Commission for many reasons, but at the end of the day, Jesus tells His disciples all that He has called them to do. And you know what He says? I will be with you. That tells me that we will not be alone as, as we're tilling the field, as we're being labor, laborers in the harvest. It tells us that we are not alone, that we have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us, who will provide for our every needs. He is a God who is present and He is with us. And he knows because nothing is too hard for him. Because nothing will be impossible with God. His power is unlimited. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And thank you for using Mary and Joseph to be a part of it. Father, I, I pray this morning that during this season of Advent that we would be reminded of all that Jesus came to do. That He lived a perfect life. That He died the death that each of us should have died. He created a bridge for us to the Father. And He rose again from the grave. And thank You, Father, that one day Jesus will come back again to claim those that have put their faith and trust in Him. And Lord, would You put it on our hearts to commit our everything to Him. Lord, I pray we hold nothing back, but that we would submit our very lives, that we would submit all of our resources, that we would submit all of our time and all of our talents. Lord, help us to give it over to Him that He may use us in Memphis, Tennessee and beyond. Lord, I pray that You wouldn't just allow us to go to work in our city, although that's what we want to do, but that You would send us even to the nations. Help us to have a vision for the world, that our platform here in Memphis, Tennessee would catapult us into the uttermost parts of the earth, that we would go and have a heart for the nations. Help us, God. I pray that you would raise up people out of this body who care and long for the nations who will go 
and who we can send. And help us hold the ropes as they do so. Thank you, Father, that you don't call people that have it all together. That you don't call perfect people. But you call the imperfect to go to work on your behalf. That your fame and renown would grow in our families, in the workplace, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, and in our city. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.